part of who I am and what I do. But I think it makes it unique too. So I'm, you know, I'm not trying to lose it or fight with it. Like I just embraced it. Like, yo, I guess this is what I'm doing. Hello, print friends, and welcome. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release weekly episodes with people around the world who share our love of printmaking. If you like what we do, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. Or maybe just tell a fellow print friend about the podcast, and they can enjoy it too. We also have a Patreon page, where supporters can join at tiers that start at just a dollar a month, and that helps to keep us bringing you printmaking content every week. You can also get cool thank yous like exclusive merch, as well as access to bonus content. Shop Talk with our editor, Timothy Pauschak. These are chats for the printmaker's printmaker. They talk about color theory, materials, chemistry, and lots of nuts and bolts down-to-earth professional advice. How do you keep your practice dynamic after you graduate? How do you save money on art supplies? What did you get out of graduate school? So if this sounds like something you're interested in, you can check out the link in the show notes, sign up, and hear Tim's chat with today's guest. And if you want to save a little cash while still supporting the show, you can sign up for a yearly subscription and save 15% off the tier price. Printmaking forever, shun the non-believers. Hello Print Friend is brought to you by Speedball Art Products, who've been offering a diverse range of high-quality products to your practice since 1997. Products like their line of professional screen printing tools. Speedball believes that professional grade quality doesn't have to ruin your budget. Their aluminum squeegees, scoop coaters, and high mesh count screens are perfectly suited to outfit your workspace without changing your books from black to red. So if you want to upgrade your space from hobbyist to pro, head on over to Speedball's website to see where you can pick up your new favorite setup. There's a link in the show notes. My guest this week is friend of the pod, Jamal Barber. We'll talk about his return to school for his MFA 15 years after finishing his BA in design, how this experience changed his art and how he defines what he does, doing his master's degree during some of the most turbulent years in recent memory in America, and of course, his fantastic podcast, Studio Noise. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to go back to school with Jamal Barber. Hi, Jamal. How's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very happy to be back chatting with you. I think it's been about 106 years since we talked last, give or take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so long ago, yo. We, yeah. <laughs> we used to wait at number 17. Like, wow. Like, yeah. ooh, how many episodes have we both done since then? Seriously, seriously. Well, and it's, yeah, it's the kind of thing that we we talked about mid-2019, which I think on paper, you know, is two years ago. But like, Spiritually and emotionally, is 106 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah, we, we we've been through some things. Yeah, some things have happened. Some things have happened. Um, so yeah. I'm I'm really excited to to chat with you and really you know use this as an excuse to to catch up and to share another chapter of your story with with the Hello Print Friend listeners. But before we get into that, would you let people know from from the now from the the September 2021 the uh, who you are, where you are, and what you do? Questions. Yeah, so I am Jamal Barber. I am an, a printmaker and. Uh, I added artists to it. 
So I'm a printmaker artist, mm-hmm. and I teach right now. I teach a visiting lecturer at Georgia State, um, and you know, got a little print practice going on, <laughs> trying to <laughs> do some of my life, make art, and and have fun. Hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah, I love it. And so you were a very early uh, <laughs> generous guest of this podcast way back when it was called Pine Copper Lime, and I was just yes. a baby podcaster with uh, nothing more but my Apple earpods to, to try and record episodes. <laughs> and we had a really great chat then, and we kind of did a deep dive into you know your early influences and how you came to printmaking and all of that. So if anyone, you know, wants the um, Jamal Barber origin story, that's where they can go, go find it. (laughs) But just for a little bit of context before we kind of like catch up to the here and now, what is your sort of your, your short version, your, your, your elevator pitch, if uh, you find yourself, um, you know, in an elevator, and someone's like, how did how did you how'd you become a printmaker? You know, more or less. What would that sound like? Uh is more or less I was trying to find myself and and stumbled into uh a, a art store while they were doing a screen print demo. Mm. And uh something about that. I was trying to do watercolors and stuff like that. It was was not struggling with it, but I wasn't great at it. Is that kind of thing? Whereas it's not quite doing what I wanted it to do. Mm. And then when I saw that demo, uh it just kinda clicked for me. And so I taught myself screen printing uh, from there, got remembered, like doing a couple woodcuts way back in the day in my uh, college days. I uh, started doing woodcuts and, you know, just kind of went from there. Like it, it was kind of like found my home yeah. <laughs> right in the print studio yeah. where I should have been the whole time. <laughs> That's what I say. Absolutely. And then you went on to to study uh, printmaking in college, correct? Uh, in in college, I went and did graphic design. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And so I took that one printmaking class as an elective. Yeah. And so uh-huh. then along the way, uh, I just kind of decided to not do well, I, I guess I give the whole story about how I got the MFA, how I got to the program. Mm-hmm. I was kind of, I was being recruited to come to another school. Um, and until that point, I was just doing my, my you know, regular gallery work and just trying to make it happen. And I never considered myself the type of artist that would get an MFA. Like, I, I just, I wasn't that great in school. <laughs> I wasn't that great in school the first time around. So I never thought like, yo, I'm going back to school. Like, <laughs> nah, I was, I was ready to get up out of there. And, but um, being recruited kind of opened my mind up to it. It's like, yo, if somebody that is there in academia thinks that or sees something in me that's good enough, maybe they are seeing something I'm not seeing. Mm. And so that took me. It's like, okay, I will. Maybe I should give this a try. And so since I couldn't make the other place work because I didn't want to move my family, um, you know, my kids are in school. Wife has a job, like all this good stuff. And it's like, yeah, you know, I want to uproot just for me to go to school. So that's when I applied to Georgia State because Georgia State has a great MFA program. And it's all paid for, which is super important. Yes. <laughs> don't pay a dime to go to school if you don't have to. That's yeah. Um, and so that you know, so that's that's how I ended up getting there. But it took it took me a long time to get my mind right. I mean, I I was out of school for 15 years before I went back to get mm-hmm. my MFA, and I think I needed that time. Like I wasn't the type of artist that could go straight from undergrad to graduate school. I wasn't in the mind right mind state. I wasn't good enough. Mm. Um, you know, frankly, I just wasn't good enough. So I, I think it worked out. I think I think it was a I needed the time to mature and really find myself. And I think I did that. Yeah. Yeah. I I have often thought about how much more I would get out of a master's program if I went now. And I 
I had a great experience. I had a, a, I was really lucky enough to just stumble onto a fantastic advisor, which can make all the difference, particularly if you're kind of oh, yeah, wandering absolutely. as a babe lost in the woods and don't actually know what you're doing, which is, was me for sure. But, you know, having a few years out and really kind of understanding just more of myself and what I would want to get out of it, I think I would just, yeah. I'd have a completely different experience now. And I think sometimes students feel that pressure that's like, okay, BFA, MFA is next, you know, chop, chop. Like, do you, do you want to teach? Yeah, do you want do a gallery it, show? It, yeah. You got to do it. But it, I think getting a lot of the real world experience and not just professionally, but also just personally, I'm sure can lead to a much richer experience is what it sounds like happened with you as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I, I was not uh, the greatest <laughs> right. Like, uh, you know, I always um, I like to tell people that um, you really have to take your own time with this kind of thing, like because art is such a subjective thing, mm. but it's also such a personal thing that you have to be in the right mind frame. You have to uh, approach your work in the right mind frame in order for it to be successful in the first place. And yeah. so it takes a while to develop that, to find, the, you know, quote unquote, find your voice. Uh, when you're making artwork, but it, I think it's a process that we all take differently and that we'll all find that point at different periods. So you can't really judge yourself by the success of somebody else. Mm. Uh, and you can't really take their story as a blueprint because that may not work for you, honestly. Yeah. Like, you know, just doing, no, all you got to do is go here and go there. Like, you know, if you go and it's, <laughs> it doesn't work, what do you do? Like that, that was their path yeah. and you have to find your own path. And so my path took me to a variety of mediums. And then when I found printmaking, I settled in mm. and I like really focused on it. Yeah. When I started doing woodcuts, that's when I really got into um, this is how I draw. Like in, in this kind of carving away, this reductive way of working and in, in, uh, settling into something like that. That is my process. I don't recommend it for everybody because <laughs> you might be much looser. You might be able to just be more free. You might be more prolific in a different medium. Mm -hmm. And so, I, you know, it, it takes a while to find it. But, you know, and hopefully you can just uh, keep keep going and, and eventually ease into where you're supposed to be. Yeah, it's it's funny. I was actually thinking a bit along these kind of lines a couple of days ago. I'm, my gallery that I work for here in Bangkok is hosting this, the Res Artists Conference, and we were supposed to do it in person, but, you know, little little bug uh, named COVID has come along, so we're doing it like digitally. And um, I was watching, they were doing these survey findings that they had done, because Res Artists is this huge, uh, basically it's a network of artist residencies throughout the world, and they try to make searching for artist residencies uh, free and easy for artists. It's actually, mm. I didn't mean to do a plug for them, but it's actually is quite a great resource if any <laughs> artists don't need it. It's just res aris, and that's like, like artist without the T at the end.org. And you can search through uh -huh. hundreds of artist residencies throughout the world. You can search from if you want free ones, if you want ones with a stipend, it just, you know, can search by what continent you want to be on. Anyway, a little, little plug there for them. You're welcome. Uh, res artists, I'll, I'll shoot you my <laughs> PayPal details. Um, but uh, but anyway, and they were they had they taken this huge survey um, for all of these people in their network, kind of about how 
COVID-19 had affected them and had affected their working process for the artists. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about how, sort of reflecting what you were saying about how art is so personal and you have to find how you get in the right space to make it, about how when people are making a living off of their work and then these huge things happen like COVID-19, how do they, like, they are not in a situation, or most of them aren't, where you can just white-knuckle it through, like, okay, like, things aren't great, but I can go to my job and I can just answer my emails and I can go home and I can, you know, do self-care. Like, artists can't do that, you know? (laughs) They don't have that option to just, to grin and bear it while these things are truly deeply affecting them. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's super true. And that that same thing happened with me, like, um, going through... Because, uh, um, you know, most of my work is about black identity, kind of confront these societal forces and issues. Mm-hmm. And so once I was locked down, it was kind of like I'm not in the streets fighting society like I'm at home. Mm-hmm. And so that completely changed uh, my thesis show and the work I was producing and what I was focusing on just because of the circumstance. And so that was that's a, exactly what you're talking about, like this deeply personal shift that happened where the stories that I was telling were not adequate anymore. Like, and it, it would be more performative for me just to continue to make the same work over and over and over. <laughs> you know, that's not, and that works for some people, right? Where they can, you've seen these uh, printmakers before too, where, all right, they settle on the style, it's kind of successful, and they keep doing it. Mm. They keep doing it. Some variation of uh, the same composition, some variation of the same cut, some ver- version of the same colors. Um, but that's not where my art comes from. Right. So my art was much more it, personal. Personal is probably the best word for it. instead of trying to find like a great, <laughs> a great other word. It's just like it's just like a personal story, my personal feelings and that you put into it. So if the context changes, the work has to change. Mm-hmm. But how does it change? You know what I mean? Like when you when you pick up certain other things, um, how does it affect what you can produce and how you approach it? And that would to me was a, a really big thing. Yeah, because I feel like you were in this situation where you were in graduate school, which is a time when artists are going through huge changes and often like real emotional upheaval a bit. I I know many artists who have been really knocked off their feet a little bit by that experience because it can be kind of unmooring to be questioned or or to just like not have a environment that you were expecting or not a particularly supportive environment. So you were kind of throwing yourself into this at the same time, you know, during this time period, we have the murder of George Floyd and the protests around the world. We have COVID. We have the attack yeah. on the U.S. Capitol, like all while you're in graduate school doing work about a lot of these issues that are suddenly coming to the forefront. You know, that they've always been there, but now all of a sudden the world is 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 recognizing it. And, you know, I was even, you know, in Canberra and Sydney and you were seeing uh, BLM protests in those cities as well. You know, like truly wherever you were, if you were in a major city, you were feeling these reverberations. And I guess like, I don't even have a sophisticated question other than like, how how was that for you? You know, like, what is... You know, it, it's it's so funny, yo, that um that you know, kind of, I was BLM before BLM, yeah. right? Like, yeah. <laughs> honestly, like, like my work has always been like in that place, talking about those issues all the time, and so, uh, you know, going into grad school, you know, forty five was president, mm-hmm. and you know that was already enough for me to be triggered, <laughs> triggered right. as it is. And, uh, you know, all this other stuff just started happening because it was it was going to happen, like inevitably. I saw it before he before he got elected. Mm. So 
Um, so as it, as it went on, I was still making my work. I'll say this about grad school. So I went to a three year um, course. And um, for me, the three year courses always kind of go the same. One, you come in with your first year. You're used to making a certain type of work and then you get questioned and then you start reading and then you start doing a lot of stuff. More reading than you probably have ever done (laughs) for your artwork You're like, a a book in one week? Like that, I remember that feeling. (laughs) I think your syllabus is wrong. Yeah. 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 So it's like, all right, so that's already a shock to you. Um, By the time you settle into that from your first year, you get to your second year. Now you're experimenting because you're starting to absorb it. Right. And you start to look for your own readings that you're doing that that'll get you where you want to go. Like you have more of a direction. And so the second year is real experimental. Mm -hmm. And then your third year, you're working on your thesis. So you kind of after all of that, you kind of settled in. And now I'm going to do this thing because this is where I've come to after all this other stuff. And I think for me, I think COVID happened right at the beginning of that process of the third year process. Mm. Right. And so it completely shifted for me because like I said, I did um, my second year, I did this really big collaborative show uh, called 400, mm-hmm. a collective fight of collective flight of memory. And that show I had 22 artists that I work with and we all did these kind of collaborative works and made like 32, 32 or 33 like prints and paintings, uh, mixed media stuff from that. And so that was, you know, it was a big undertaking. So me, I'm thinking like, yes, I'm going, I'm talking about the last 400 because it was 2019. So from 1619 to 2019, this 400 year period where we're studying or wondering where black people have come to after all this time, like this American experience has produced what and that was that mm-hmm. show was about uh which was really an intense show and and uh it took me about a year to do it so it was a a lot of of serious thought right and, and you kind of almost get burnt out on it and like i said that's that's um that's blm before blm yeah right i've been black for you know 41 years now <laughs> so you know that wasn't anything new for me yeah um and it's funny that when the pandemic happened, and like I said, I end up being locked down. So all the societal issues are, are kind of irrelevant at that point. You know, like I lost like um, two people mm-hmm. um, real early in COVID in, around April. So that, you know, shifted my focus completely to like this thing can kill you. And so uh, experiencing that loss and being a father protective of my kids and, you know, worried about like all the other stuff going on. When George Floyd happened, I didn't have the emotional bandwidth for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I could not go out and engage with it because I was already so concerned and so worried and so barely getting by as it was, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> like like it's, yeah. uh, it's already enough to like lose people when they go through this pandemic and be so worried, not know. I mean, think about the time galleries were shut down. Yeah. So I'm making all my money off of galleries. So it's like, am I going to be able to make money? Should I even be making work at all? Right. How much of a luxury is it for me? me to be in my basement studio doing prints when people are getting sick and dying. You know what I'm saying? Like when it's like this huge threat um, that's hovering over our heads. And so at that moment, when George Floyd happened, it's like, yo, we're still doing this? Like, that's what I was thinking. Like, I I, I can't, like, I don't, (laughs) I can't, I can't continue just to make the same struggle constantly. And, you know, it just made me stop and think, like, in the Black experience, I, I was one that was always jumping from um, outrage to outrage mm. and not not as a 
not as a performative um, Twitter thing, but as a genuine like, yo, they did this to us again. Mm-hmm. Like, let me say something about it. Like Freddie Gray, let me say something. Tamir Rice, let me say something. Like, like it's always that, not as a obligation, but as a necessity for me as a person, as an artist. I need to release these feelings mm-hmm. because it does become overwhelming because it is so personal to me because I see, I mean, you shoot a 12-year-old playing in a park no matter what he's playing with he's 12 years old then you say he's a grown man and he and he deserved it it's like no like my son is nine my daughter's 13 mm-hmm. well my son, at the time my daughter might have been she was younger than but but you, you know the point is that this could have been them and it could have been me like how I many how many times did i go out and play with stuff i wasn't supposed to play with and no that no reason that i deserved to die and so you don't realize how tiring that is until you stop doing it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you realize like, yo, this is I can't continue to just be engaged in this way, um, especially like if I'm all I'm doing is at home. with My kids, I need to have like what mode am I in now? The protective, loving mode of a father, of a husband, mm-hmm. um, being in family, riding my bikes, trying to keep them in spirits, you know, what I'm saying through um, virtual school and all this other stuff. Um I just didn't have the bandwidth for it. And so I needed to find like a new way to express what I was expressing. And so I ended up changing mediums hmm. because um, most of my thesis shows were, were paintings, like mixed media paintings. And it was specifically because the all the press shut down. Like I couldn't get right. into Atlanta printmakers, couldn't go to Georgia State. So I had to keep working. So I, well, I say had to, but I ended up working and doing paintings because emotionally, that's how I handle things is through art. Is making stuff like channeling through that way. So when I was feeling all these uh, extra emotions, I started doing sketching in my book and then doing ink wash drawings. And then I that led to acrylic paintings and kind of I just kept doing that because that felt better than doing nothing. Right. And even though I don't consider myself a, a painter, like I'm I still love as a medium, but I picked up painting because I didn't have access and I didn't want to. It, it's a thing where. When we when you're doing prints, you talk about the addition, right? You talk about a large amount of papers and variations. And if I had all that paper, what would I do with? You know what I mean? Like if I just kept printing editions at the pace that I was in months where galleries are shut down and you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had stacks of paper like sitting, <laughs> sitting, yeah. in my, sitting in my house with nothing to do with it like that. I didn't think that was a, the appropriate way for me to spend my time. And so that's why I just started doing the paintings and stuff. And so once I started doing that and by the time everything opened up, it was August mm-hmm. and I got to make a whole thesis show from August to January. Like that, I don't know if I could start over and get what I wanted out of it. So I end up just keep going with the paintings, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that a lot of people who work in the print medium and have, you know, spent years of their life really forming this emotional attachment to it in this this way that they they use it as a part of their their practice and even, you know, their self-care really did have to pivot. Um, And I know a lot of people uh, took up painting, which is so it's so interesting, because I feel like kind of anecdotally or kind of, you know, when we're all sitting around at SGCI joking, it's like, ugh, painters, you know, like you do get a little <laughs> bit of that. But I know, like it's like it's like, oh, trainer, painting, you know. <laughs> but um but I've I've known many, many printmakers, including, you know, my my dear husband who's gonna do it's you shop talk um, when we're done here. He's been painting, you know, and I think that um, it's 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 something that 
anytime, you know, people get kind of like too focused or I think maybe too wrapped up in something as like a part of their artistic identity, it is good to have that shaken up a little bit. And and so now he's making these paintings that looks like he's painting like a printmaker. You know, they're done in layers. Did you Yo, find that, that your Yo, paintings came out that way? you said that. Yeah. Oh, no. It's funny you said that because that's exactly how my paintings look. Yeah. <laughs> my paintings look like. <laughs> Somebody that doesn't paint <laughs> his painting, right? Uh, and I approach my paintings like that. Uh, a lot of it is I approach it just like I do screen printing, where like you mix up all the colors that you want, mm. and then you put one down, you let it dry. I put another one down, I let it dry. Like it's, it's not a painting mix, uh, you know, mix it on the palette type of thing. Like it's not like it's completely structured. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in that exact same way. It's a lot of mark making. Like you can see a lot of mark making and shapes in the same way that I I move and how I render figures and everything is just like I do in printmaking. Yeah. So it's funny that you said that. Yeah. I and I, I, I love to see it because I, I love that kind of structured way of deconstructing an image. Uh is always really satisfying for me to see. Yeah. So and yeah. It made me realize that's end up being how I think. Mm-hmm. Like even like carving is how I draw now. Like about like adding light and, and shaving down and making shapes. Like part of that whole process of, of doing a woodcut is how I think about drawing. I didn't realize that in, in for a long time just because I'd done so much, <laughs> so much woodcuts that yeah. it's just like part of part of who I am and what I do. But I think it makes it unique, too. So, I'm you know, I'm not trying to lose it or fight with it. Like I just embraced it. Like, you know, I guess this is what I'm doing. Totally. Like, it's that type of thing. Totally. And is that why, you know, when you introduced yourself at the beginning, you said you've you've added artist onto your, um, you know, like, like I don't even, what do you call it when it's like Esquire or, you know, like when you add that kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jamal Barber, printmaker, artist. Yeah, yeah Esquire. Um, <laughs> like, is that, so is that kind of where that came from? Is that within graduate school, you really did find this expanded practice that involves yeah. printing as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, it involved, it involved more than prints. I think that was that was the part because even um, my prints were doing like more sculptural installation type stuff, too, mm. that I still considered part of the print practice. But it's really not. And like when you start to like really learn about all these different artists um, all over, I got really obsessed with African printmakers, too. Mm. Um, and, and when you start to learn all these different process and all the different ways that people are expressing you're like you know what that's where i fall into and print is my main medium by mm-hmm. far uh you know if you <laughs> if you just set me up it's like hey make something it's like 85 percent of the time is going to be a print yeah um but it's that that little extra stuff that i that i got i kind of got obsessed with like so my woodcuts were a lot about the color black as a cipher. And and it, immediately when I started doing the paintings, the one thing that I wanted was if this is a new medium, if this is something brand new that I'm doing, then why do the same thing I was doing before? Like why continue to use the color black? Why continue to have the same setups? Like it should be different if the medium is different because the mediums can do different things. And so I embraced and really questioned a lot of my practice about why am I just using the color black when in this kind of more full, and my show is called Fullness, it's kind of more full expression of me as an individual beyond just the outrage. Like I live a whole life in between the outrage. Like I have two kids, (laughs) you know, and I I do a lot of things in between these moments of outrage because it's not every day that I'm just, you know, angry at the 
at the world. Like I do a lot of different stuff. And so why don't I ever talk about that stuff? And so the show was about that. The show was about why does it have to be black? So in the paintings, I didn't use the color black at all. And and I changed sizes. Like a lot of my, my prints were end up 30 by 22 just because of the paper size and working in that range. And it's like, why does it have to be in that range? Why can't it be bigger? Why does it even have to be square? Why couldn't it just follow the curves and in, in natural movements of my body? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it, a lot of what I did changed. And I think that's what grad school, why you have to be in the right frame of mind, because you have to be open to the change as part of who you are. Yeah. Um, a mark against you to change, to say that everything that came before it is, is wrong. Now this is the way. Like, no, that's not it. It's a growth. It's an evolution in thought and who you are as an individual. And so a lot of that had to happen at that time. And if you don't want it to happen, don't go to grad school because you'll be <laughs> you can just do what you want to do. Like, yeah. you know, like 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 you got these people, not only the professors, but your cohorts. I had an amazing cohort at Georgia State. Like I, I love them to death. I love love all of them. They were doing so much uh, great stuff in ceramics and sculpture and painting and a lot of things. And so they taught me a lot just watching them and seeing their work develop. It's like, wow, like, you know, Courtney's really doing some stuff. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like Callie's like really, really like taking it to the next level. Like what can I do to take it to the next level? Like you have to be willing to change foundational, like what you what you do and how you're approaching you and you're still you. Right. <laughs> that's what that's what that's what people um, fight against is that, you know, they're going to they're going to make me stop doing what I do. But you'll still be you even if you don't do it. Like even if Jamal's not making prints, Jamal is still Jamal. It's still J. Barber Studio. Like, you know, everywhere that you see my work is still going to be that. And you're still the man with the brush in your hand. And that's OK. It's OK for it to be different and look different. And yeah. maybe it's better. Maybe it's not. But maybe just through going through that change, just the thought process of it can enhance your prints. And that's where I am now. Like now that it's all over, I did all these paintings. I kind of fell in love with this this process of color and gesture. Now I'm bringing that into my woodcuts. Mm-hmm. How that's going to look, I don't know yet. Right. That's the fun part. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's the great part about it is that like now I'm just kind of in this new terrain and I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm not sure if I can do it. But that's exciting, too, because I also have um, confidence that I think I'll talk about this when I teach my kids that you just have to have confidence that you can land a plane. Like wherever (laughs) you do, whatever you do, wherever you go, just have confidence that when it comes time to bring it all together, you have the tools to bring it all together. That's kind of how I feel. But I still don't know what it's going to look like yet. And, And that's exciting just to be carving and experimenting and thinking about mixing colors and, you know, learning so much about beyond just the little bit that I didn't know. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's just such a wonderful thing to instill into your kids because I, it can be so terrifying, I think, for artists to take on that change or to be challenged to change because they didn't ever get, I love how you put it, like you have to have the confidence that you can land the plane, right? That you can like, you can yeah. take off because but you need to know that you will be able to land it on the other side because it's – I think that's where a lot of the wailing and gnashing of teeth and suffering comes <laughs> from when people sometimes go to grad school where they're like, no, 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 this thing worked. This got me here. Doing it got yeah, me to grad yeah. school. I, I can't yeah. not do the thing that you accepted me for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and and adding that artist bit um, – 
uh, Craig Mangoski was my professor that asked me that. He was like, are you a printmaker or an artist? Mm. And, you know, in the beginning, it's like, I'm a printmaker. Like, yo, are you, how do you <laughs> ask me this question? How insulting is this? There's nothing wrong with being a printmaker. You know, it's that kind of thing. But then it's like, are you, though? Does, does mm. being a printmaker exclusively define my art practice? No, it kind of doesn't. Um, And so you got to you have to be in the mind frame to be curious to even have that revelation in the first place. And I wasn't I wasn't there when I first graduated. Like Mm -hmm. when I first graduated with my with my um, graphic design degree, I wasn't there. I wasn't the type of guy that would do whatever it takes to finish something. And I think I needed that part, too. Right. I needed the determination, the, the intrinsic drive. (laughs) <laughs> to mm-hmm. to be an artist in the first place and I didn't have it. Mm. And so, you know, it, it, it's been a great process. Like even just me, like I said, my cohorts are amazing. Um, getting to know them and watching their careers and as we all kind of spread out, mm. it, it's just, it's just, it changes me. It, it has changed me a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't, personally, I didn't get the, so much of the cohort because I, I took a year off. So I did two years because I was just mm-hmm. doing the MA and I, I took a year off. So I had I had like the one year of bonding and then they graduated and then I came in and was a second year with this bunch of second years who had already bonded. And I, you know, I still have friends from it, but I, I do believe that going through that transformative process, nuts to soup with other people in your discipline really forges some lifelong bonds. And it's got to be so exciting to know that like, you're going to be able to watch these people as artists and as humans kind of take on, you know, the rest of their lives. And that's, I think, a really good reason just in and of itself to do graduate school. Oh, yeah. To meet those people. And and it's not, and you kind of want it. Mm -hmm. Like you, you are, you're happy when they do kind of find the revelation. Uh, I know I was like, it, it was really exciting when it's like, oh, wow. Like, look what you did, Callie. Like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was that type of thing. Totally. Where totally. It, it's, it's um, having them succeed was a lot of my process. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, having that kind of bond, I'm not sure everybody gets that kind of bond, but that's what can happen. Like, if you if everybody is engaged and approaches it the right way. Yeah. And and in the right space where you can all root for each other, because I'm I'm sure exactly. there are you know cohorts and graduate programs out there where that's not so much the case that people yeah. are like yeah. really rooting for each it wasn't, other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't you know the cutthroat world of Yale or something like that. Yeah. You know where you know only one succeeds. You know. Like yeah. it wasn't that for us, so I'm. <laughs> there's only one spot at Juilliard, yeah. yeah. You know, it's not. It's, it's not that, and I think that's that's how art should. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a. It might be a printmaking thing too. Whereas, you know, in the studio, it's always wow. Look at all this. It's it's so much collaboration that happens in a print studio because everybody's there using the same machine. Right? Yeah, you have to so get along. You, yeah, you have to get along, right? You have to like have like certain um, techniques for getting on and off the press out of people's way um, properly. But then it's like when you're in the studio, it's like, wow, look at this print. What went wrong? Oh, you could probably do this. You could probably do that. Like, oh, what are you working on? Oh, you know, I've used this kind of technique. You know, I've used soap, soap ground, you know what I'm saying, on etchings. Like, is that is that type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's so much sharing that happens. And that was always, that's always my mind state whenever I'm interacting with other artists. So it's very easy for me to fall into that. Yo, what are you doing? This ceramics. This is amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I love that kind of kind of thing, that kind of attitude. And I think that's the 
the best way for us just to be as artists too. Yeah. And I think that like was like another point of that kind of, uh, I guess, you know, like a, emotional maturity that people need in order to really get the most out of grad school is you need to be in a place where you're not threatened by change and you're not threatened by others' success. Because yeah, both exactly. of those, if they're in your head, you're gonna you're gonna have a bad time in grad school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You gotta always be looking forward to get the the positive out of it. Because it's it's super hard. It's not easy at all. Mm-hmm. Um but you know that that can you can be uncomfortable. It's okay. Like you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> we can still all make work and you know and be happy and celebrate and have drinks and do critiques. Uh, the critiques were amazing. I love the critiques when yeah. we were all together uh, doing it. That's the one thing that COVID definitely robbed us of the opportunity to have that last year together, yeah. like all together, like we were before, like, you know, in the same room, you know, having um, graduate um, artists, we, the grads had an art club. And so we would get together and do critiques and hang out and take trips and stuff like that. Like, you know, taking all that kind of stuff away, kind of it dampered it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, we all wish we would have had, we had this one trip planned, like all the grads where they were taking us to Ireland. Oh. We're going to be in Ireland for like two weeks and that got canceled too. And like, that would have been amazing for us just yeah. as a group, just to hang out this one last time, like somewhere else and just explore and have fun. So, you know, it, it was, it was definitely some downs, definitely. but it was a lot of ups. Cause definitely. I think it, 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 I think it, the pandemic put a fire on all of us that, you know, we're here, we got to make work cause there ain't nothing else to do. <laughs> so I think we made some really amazing stuff. Yeah. And and going through that adversity with a group of people and, and kind of, you know, really seeing who people are. I know it's a cliche, but like, you know, when, when things get really hard, you know, that's when you really can bond. And that's when you really have to like all of the bullshit drops and you just are like, yeah. Oh, who like who are you? Who am I? Chips are down, you know. So I think maybe yeah, in some ways you you lost a bit, but I'm sure you gained a bit too, just from having gone through it. Yeah. So I guess um, before I want to make keeping an eye on the time here, so I want to make sure we have a, a chance to talk about some other things as well. But maybe as to kind of um, to to put a put a ribbon on the the grad school talk more generally, if if a, a young printmaker out there is hearing this and they're not sure if grad school is for them or not. It sounds like you did have a good experience with it, um, despite of and because of everything else that's going on in the world during those three years. How would what kind of advice would you give them for whether or not if they're kind of questioning like, ah, like, am I ready for this? Should I go work more? Should I go have a family and, and do other things first? Like what what would you say to them? Because as you're as as a teacher now, you know you're in this uh, this position yeah. of authority. What what would you tell them? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Me, Jamal's a teacher. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, <laughs> uh, I I would tell them. I would really have to to sit down and talk with them because I I don't think it's a blanket advice that you can give. Okay. Because there's so many it's so many other factors. Like, do you want to be in school? Mm-hmm. Like, are you ready to, like, question everything that you do? Are you ready to be told that you're wrong? Yeah. Right. And as just a part of the process in general, having are you ready to ask yourself those questions and break down? Are you curious enough? Like, is your work? Are you ready to focus? Like, you know, it's it's so many other things. Like, do you have somewhere you can go? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, I'll I'm tell people to, to the day I die, don't pay for go to grad school. <laughs> Find some some find somewhere that has an endowment or some kind of program or scholarship that will get you there where you don't have to pay for it. 
because it, it is it is worth it. But at what expense? Yeah. You know, and you are an artist. So <laughs> so you got to think <laughs> about that kind of stuff, too. And yeah. so I know it's so it's so many other questions. But in general, if you like it, go ask somebody that is where you want to be. Hmm. Right. So if you want to go to UT, see if you can find somebody at UT to talk to, like even talk to some of the professors, like get in, have conversation with those people because it's, it's, it's more than you think it is. Mm-hmm. And some people didn't make it through through the program. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Unfortunately, we, I still know, know them and, and, you know, appreciate who they are, but the circumstances were just wrong for them. Yep. And that can happen too. And it's, and it's all a part of a process. And so you don't have to go like right out of school. It, I waited 15 years <laughs> before mm-hmm. I went back. I was a grown man. <laughs> I, was a, I was. I had two kids and everything. So uh, everything will happen in its own time, yeah. right? So so don't feel the pressure to do it. But if you want to, then do your due diligence. Go out and ask the right questions. Talk to the right people. Show people your work because a lot and it's hard for people to hear. It's, it may not be good enough. Yeah, You may not be in the right place yet. And that's okay too, <laughs> right? Like art is a <laughs> art is a lifelong profession. It's not like football, where you know, not for long, where it's only three years and you out. Like you, you hopefully will be doing this till you die. Yeah. You know, I want to die. I want to die in the print studio. Mm-hmm. I don't want to die, but I do. I would <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I to, to, to to spend my life uh, engaged in the process. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I think that's where I I find my most joy. I love that. I love that. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, and so. How about this kind of new chapter now where you're, you've got a professor cap on now and you're a teacher? I know that you said that actually that kind of sharing of knowledge and really a love for it was something that you discovered while you were in grad school. Yeah? Yeah, that's true. Because um, at Georgia State and probably a lot of other places, they, you are the professor of record. Um, some for classes for your last two years. And I don't know, interacting with the students is the same interaction that I got from the print studio um, where we would talk, share tips, uh, help you through prints. Cause you know, you don't want to go to the print studio and see somebody struggling and you can, you can tell them, you know, adjust the press pressure. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> uh, and so it's that kind of a, yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Like I, I know what you did. Um, and so like bringing that kind of interaction with the students and people that are genuinely there to learn how to make art, like just exploring these different techniques. I taught printmaking, uh, drawing one, like right now I teach drawing one and life drawing. And, you know, if you want to be better, I'm here. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, mm. it, I, I feel I feel like that. And for the people, a lot of it is you see yourself like at, the, at that time. I always think of myself like right after I graduated school, I wasn't very confident. I didn't think that I could I was good enough to be anything at that time. I wanted to, but I was, didn't. I was so unsure and lacked confidence. And I see that in a lot of, of the students that I talk to. And it's kind of like I didn't have to feel like that then. And you don't have to feel like that now. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is something I can tell you, some way I can help you, something I can show you that will get you over that hump and make you better. And it's something about that feeling. Like once somebody, once it clicks with somebody and they really say, like, yo, Professor Barber, like I get it now. Mm-hmm. And they, they really do get it. Like I, I like that feeling. Like I like being there for them. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I think a teachers have, you have to have a lot of empathy for people to be a teacher. Yeah. And, and I think just... A lot of, um, you know, not like letting your own ego kind of get wrapped up in it, you know, and really realizing that like you can't do the work for them. You can just put the work in front of them and whether or not they do that 
is like their journey yeah. and it, do- it doesn't reflect on you. Like you, you have, you can set up the most ideal circumstance, but if they won't <laughs> step forward, you know, each person has to be on that own art journey. And in the end, like you can't control it, you know? And I think that, yeah, you can. that professors can kind of get burnt out if they're just, you know, if they're like, they're like, I'm doing everything right. Like, why is she, you know? Like, <laughs> yes. I, it, there, yeah. there is a lot of that, Joe, because you do end it up. I, you end up caring for these people. Yeah. Like you do. You do. It does matter to me that my student come in and she understands um, intaglio prints. Mm-hmm. Like not not that she can do it. Not being able to do it is one thing. But do you understand it? Do you know why these things are happening? And and if you know why, if you know how, if you know the mechanics of it, you can adjust everything just through creativity. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's super important. And, in you know, nothing's more frustrating, especially like now I'm geared to, um, to start teaching my drawing one student's perspective. And perspective is always like... <laughs> No matter how many you, how much you uh, explain perspective to somebody, like when they don't get it, it's so frustrating because yeah. it's like it, to you, it's so simple. It's like, yo, why don't you get this? Like, <laughs> but you gotta like if it, the as a way of creativity comes into it, the same artistic creativity I put into my prints comes into your professorship because you want to think of a way to tell them that they would get right, mm-hmm. and so I've come up with a hundred ways to explain. Yeah. <laughs> perspective and one of these ways should work for you and if it doesn't i'll come up with a 101 ways and and it's constantly that thing that i want you to get it like i feel i would not feel complete if you don't understand yeah. this thing <laughs> like you <laughs> you have to understand like you pull yourself so much of yourself into other people and i like it I didn't I didn't know that I liked it mm-hmm. until I went to school, but I do like it. I like that that idea. It tires you out, it wears you out. These people will drive you crazy. <laughs> but but I don't know. It's it's something it's something um I don't know, yo. I think I needed it. Mm-hmm. And I in a, in a lot of ways I am constantly still in that space with myself. Um to make up for all those years I felt like I was lost mm-hmm. and I don't want anybody else to be lost. Is that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's something so powerful about the way in which you need to come to know something to teach it to someone else, too. Right. And it's yeah. a completely different kind of knowing than being a student. And so it's it's yeah. so cool that you get to spend this time really just as a student again, um, you know, like you said, as, as, a, as, a, as a grown person coming back, being <laughs> a student again, and then getting to see kind of like that through the looking glass through the other side again of like coming back to it then as a teacher. Uh, that's just a, a really, it's got to be a really rewarding and exciting experience, I'd imagine. Yeah. 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 More, more exciting than I thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, so also on top of, you know, a, a printmaker and a, an MFA holder and a, a professor now, you have also consistently been producing a podcast as well. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, still keeping it going. I just, I really am like, a huge fan. Um, I I really uh, whenever I'm on Instagram and I'm I'm scrolling through, you know, this the inundated by images. Whenever an image has made me stop, at it's like it's like 
whoa, what? Oh, yeah, studio noise. Like, I'm always like, I go through this seriously, like, I think, you know, once a week where I'm like, whoa, what is it? Oh, yeah, studio noise. Yeah, that, that tracks. You know, like, like you, you seem to just have um, just this, like, endless well of these artists who are doing just incredible work. Um, and then, you know, getting to have these, these great conversations with them. And so um, was that something that, that you found to be, like, uh, rewarding while you were doing everything? Or did, was it kind of stressful sometimes to kind of try and keep it going? Or did it inform your practice at all, you know, as you were um, kind of shaking up what you were doing uh, as, as, a, as an artist, but at the same time, you're having these conversations with like, like some of them quite established artists who are sort of fully in their practice. How did it fit into, I guess, the rest of your life is my very all roundabout question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, it it has just become a part of, of what I do. Mm. Like in, going back to the kind of communal experience in the print studio, I think the podcast is the same way, right? Oh, and, and let me say this. Like, congratulations on this podcast. No, like, you, you know, I listen to y'all all the time. Like, you know, you're always pulling up like some of the, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the best printmaking names all, always. Like every time I look like, oh, okay, now I know that guy. Like, because print is sometimes like, you don't know the work, but you you don't know their names, but you know the work. Yeah. And like usually like, oh, it's that guy. Like, like you know, <laughs> that type of thing. So it's always always good. And, you know, congratulations on, you know, even changing the name, I think is a great name. Oh, thank um, you. That you have now. Hello, Print Friends. Yeah. So, you know, congratulations on your success. But I think I think that it it just become a part of who I am and what I do. And having these conversations, and I think you know it, it's super stressful because uh, my co-host uh, left to do other things. Shout out to Jasmine, love yeah. Jasmine. Um, and you know that's that's fine for her, but I always told her that I would want to keep it going because I just I just like having these conversations and talking and even giving it to other people because you know once in a <laughs> once in a while this podcast stuff is is a lot of work, right? Yeah. And it's yes. like, yo, man, yeah. I don't know if I should keep this going. <laughs> then I get it. Then I get an email and it's like, oh, I listened to this interview and it was really great. Like, thank you for the podcast. Like, yo, all right. I guess I'll keep going. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's that type of thing. And so, you know, I, I love talking to people. And I think I make it a point to um, during during the pandemic, like I lost two people early mm-hmm. in April and then. In November, I lost my man, um, George Knock. He was a, a fantastic artist and mentor of mine. Mm-hmm. And I never got him on a podcast. And I think that that part hit me a lot is that George was amazing. And now he's gone. Mm-hmm. And if I could just share like one of his stories uh, that he told me from 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 everything that he did. He was an amazing sculptor. And I used to just come into a studio when I first moved to Atlanta. I, he used to just let me come to a studio and just spend all day with him while he's doing something, mm-hmm. some great, amazing project. And I don't know. I miss George. Yeah. And I wish I wish I would had his voice or his story. And so now I'm focusing a lot on getting some of the older artists onto the podcast just to, to archive this stuff, yeah. you know, and. So, you know, so now it's like now it's, it's a lot of fun for me, but it's also a little bit more of a mission mm-hmm. uh, to get some of this stuff done. I think um had the pleasure, the honor to talk to David Driscoll um, mm-hmm. before he passed away, like a year before he passed away. And that was now included in a retrospective show that he was in uh, of his work in Portland. Um, that interview is part of the exhibition. And so that kind of stuff is important to me now. 
It's like to be able to like reference all these people that have done all this work for whatever circumstance may not have been super celebrated. I mean, David Driscoll is, he, I mean, he has a museum, right, yeah. <laughs> the high museum name award after him. Like he's, he's not, there's <laughs> no problem for him getting recognized, but you know, there's a lot of people out there that are doing art that are doing great work and will never reach the highest heights of, you know, um, you know, name a big artist, you know, but their, their story is still valid and their story can mean a lot to somebody that's looking for it, you know? Yeah. And so, it, it it has become much more of a mission for me lately, and I do, and I'm gonna am gonna keep it going. I've been doing. I missed a, a I might miss a couple episodes just because of circumstance. Where teaching uh, has got a lot. I moved to a new studio uh, in Midtown Atlanta, and <laughs> and my home repair stuff uh, leaks and from my refrigerator and is has held me up. But uh-huh. um, you know, even even in those moments where it's like really stressful, I still want to do it because I still think it's important. You know what I'm saying? Even if you know me, as many people don't listen as I want to, like I still wanted to be there. I think that's the important part. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really kind of rewarding for me to hear your reflections on it because I really identify with it a lot. You know, that sense of that it is a joy and a privilege and. Um, uh, you know, I think of what I do is creating an archive as well and kind of take that seriously. You know, like we we have great conversations, but it's also, you know, this is a record, a little snapshot of yeah. early 21st century printmaking. Um, yeah. And so, you know, all of that and then how it can be really, it can kind of fill your cup, but almost like just sort of having it hanging over your head. <laughs> Like it always, <laughs> like every time you make one, it goes out, and then you gotta make another. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't. You don't get to keep them; they disappear. You know. Yeah. So it's like, well, yeah. the actual and the next one has to. It's gotta be and good. The next one has to be just as good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just as good. Like you can't slack off. You know, don't bring in. You know, but it, I think it's also interesting that. Um, it's so much of these stories that artists need to hear. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, for, for printmaking, your focus is printmaking. My focus is just black artists in general. Um, I think it's important to hear the story of a black artist as you're trying to be a black artist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just have somebody you can relate to and know that it is possible for you to do this thing. Like, printmakers the same way. Like, listen to all the, uh, I just listened to the one with the my man from High Point on it. But it's a great podcast when he's talking about setting up a studio and all that kind of stuff. Like so yeah. like it's so much information and at different points you might need that information just to get into the studio. You know what I'm saying? Just to keep going because it is like I said, it's it's personal. Like and it's emotional and it's hard <laughs> to be an artist. Yeah. Like it's not a, it's not an easy thing at all, especially when you gotta you gotta make art to pay your bills. And it's like, yo, what how? <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, you just go to the studio like, how am I going to do this? Like, what am I going to do that's fresh that somebody would actually want? Mm. And, you know, you just need just need that little nudge. So hopefully, you know, between our two podcasts, we keep people going <laughs> in the so. studio. Uh, keep them making noise, as I say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's and it, I, I, the other thing yeah, I really connected with is when you're talking about like that feeling of like, oh, it's getting a lot, you know, maybe. Maybe I don't. I, I'm. I don't want to burn out. I don't want to start just doing it out of habit. You know, maybe it's about time. I think about passing it. Oh, look at this email. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? What? A, oh, I'm doing that for 
for someone? Like, you know, like, <laughs> all right, another six months at least, you know? <laughs> yeah, at least, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I do that. I, I had that conversation so much because it, it, is, it is a lot of work, yo. And after Jasmine left, I kind of, I changed a lot. Like, if you listen mm. to the podcast, a lot has changed and kind of streamlined just so it's it's easier for me yeah. to um, kind of do what I do. Because I think and, Jasmine was doing the editing. Is that correct? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jasmine, Jasmine was doing editing and stuff. And, you know, we would, and it's it's different energy when you're doing it together. Like, I'm, you know, you got your husband mm-hmm. and that's awesome, you know. It's <laughs> you know, really have, good. <clears throat> to have somebody else there with you. And, you know, when you just do it on your own and and you don't always feel like people are listening. Like it's hard to it's hard to keep going sometimes. So those emails, they catch me at just the right time yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get me to make me keep doing it. Yeah, I I have so much admiration for you for for sticking to it after after Jasmine left, you know, just because it's like I'm just saying like right now, like if if, T- if Tim ever quits, that's the end. So like everyone be nice to Tim, please. Because like, <laughs> like I can't like I, I remember th- like seeing that and being like, wow, that is really great because I can't imagine taking it all on. Um, and so I just thank you for 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 keeping it up and for making the archive and um, for continuing to bring just great stories and great conversations. So um, please, everyone, if you have not checked it out, please check out Studio Noise. It truly is my favorite art podcast out there. Um, it always makes me like want to go see shows and um, introduces me to new artists and get excited every time. So definitely check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes to it too. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, and I think that we're we're at our hour recording mark, but you are going to have a, have a have a shop talk, right, with Tim? That's right. Yeah, Excellent. let's do it. All I'm right. Ready. Well, Jamal, it has been really great to catch up um, and to, to hear your voice live and interactive after just listening to it in my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, thank you, yo. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited that um, we're going to be back on the same continent in a little bit of time here, and maybe we can talk about doing some collaboration or something it would i know we're both oh yeah busy it, people it has to happen. Yeah, yeah. family people but um i would really love it yeah if maybe we can we can come up with something fun to do with the podcast so let's let's keep in touch absolutely yeah i'd love that absolutely very cool yes well i will i will pass you on to tim and um thank you and sorry about the uh scheduling confusion and all that but um we were able to connect and it was just yeah really nice to catch up oh yeah for sure you know Well, that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be Sandra C. Fernandez. We'll talk about dislocation, relocation, memory, self-conscious identity construction, and the Consejo Grafico Nacional, an organization that brings together Latino printmaking taliers throughout the United States, of which she just happens to be the executive director. You won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.